1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I am Carlos Colazo, joined today by Kyle Glazer, and we're going to be talking the Cardinals farm system. Kyle, how's it going, man?
2: Doing all right, Carlos. It was a good holiday season, good New Year's, and uh, glad to be back podcasting with you now.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, always nice to get a good break, but um, we're getting excited for the season, lots of preview stuff. Uh, going on behind the scenes here in the Baseball America office, Uh, and we're continuing to plug along in these uh, top 10, top 30 podcasts. Today, obviously, talking about the NL Central champs from the 2019 season. They made the playoffs for the first time since 2015, which is honestly a little bit surprising. I mean, the Cardinals are one of those teams you just associate with consistent success, Uh, and so that kind of gap uh, in, in making the playoffs is a bit surprising. But We're here to talk about their farm system. Um, What's kind of the state of the system right now, Kyle? I mean, again, this is a a team that I feel like just kind of continues to pump out major league contributors, whether that's not necessarily star players, but just kind of steady, very useful, productive major leaguers in, in a number of different capacities. But what's kind of the state of the system right now?
2: Yeah. I mean, the state of the system is that they've done exactly as you said. Uh, You mentioned they got back to the postseason for the first time in a few years, uh, got to the NLCS. And look, this is what the Cardinals do. They produce tremendous homegrown talent. They keep the best. They use the rest in trades. And that's what kind of fueled this most uh, recent division championship. Uh, Recent years, they brought up Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, Paul DeJong. Uh, We saw them get Tommy Edmond up midway through last year. He made a difference. So, uh, they keep bringing up guys who could really, really help them and, and do help them very quickly. Uh, Jordan Hicks is another guy. Ryan Helsley, um, all homegrown guys who were drafted or signed originally by the Cardinals, and then they use a lot of other guys in trades that help get them over hmm. the top. We saw them trade Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallant for Marcelo Zuda. They were the two main pieces there. Uh, they both have um, turned into very solid big leaguers. Alcantara made his first All-Star game last year with the Diamondbacks and uh, with the Marlins, excuse me. Uh, Gallard was a standout for the Marlins before being traded to the Diamondbacks. Uh, they traded uh, Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver to the Diamondbacks directly to get Paul Goldschmidt, uh, mm-hmm. another you know two other homegrown guys. So the Cardinals keep churning out this homegrown talent. It's a it's a good system consistently. it's a good system again. You look now at what's left over after graduating, all that talent to the majors and uh, training a bunch of other guys to help be that winning major league team. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You still have a, a pretty solid, I'd say one through nine. You could argue one through 11. Um, It is a little more shallow at the back. Uh, Just the Cardinals, you'll remember, did not have a first or second round pick in 2017 as punishment for uh, the hacking of the Astros database by former scouting director Chris Correa. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of their other first rounders either haven't had enough time yet to really establish themselves or it's been more mixed. So uh, it's not the deepest the system has been, but you know, this is the Cardinals. You know that they're going to get the most from the guys they have. And Mm -hmm. one through 11, they're in pretty good shape. And there are some guys below you can feel a little optimistic on. So so again, it's not a great system. It's not a bad system. Uh, We will see it in the 10 to 15 range. I would classify it as an above average system right now.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about where you would rank it kind of among all the 30 teams. So that sounds like Pretty solid, especially when you consider the the quality of the major league product right now. So, uh, once again, the Cardinals are in good shape. Seems like they always are. But uh, let's just start going through through the prospects. Uh, The number one in this system is Dylan Carlson. Last year, he was the number 10 in this system. Uh, So, that's quite a hefty jump for one year. Kyle, was there any question as to whether or not Carlson was the number one and how was he able to jump so much in a relatively brief span of time?
2: Yeah, it was pretty consensus, both from evaluators inside the Cardinals organization as well as evaluators outside of it. Mm -hmm. Dylan Carlson was always a player who you – Really loved the makeup. You loved the instincts. He had a really good feel for the game. His dad, Jeff Carlson, is actually a pretty legendary high school coach uh, in Northern California, Elk Grove High School, just south of Sacramento. Built a tremendous program that has produced a lot of big leaguers uh, J.D. Davis, David Hernandez. More recently, I was on Nick Madrigal, fourth overall pick out of Oregon State. He's an Elk Grove guy. Uh, and Dylan was a, was a supplemental first rounder, uh, 33rd overall pick. So he was highly touted out of a well-renowned program with a great baseball mind at the head of it. And he always just held his own at a young age at every level. He was pretty much the youngest player everywhere he went. Mm -hmm. Numbers never popped, but he was always average to slightly above hanging in there with guys two, three, four years his senior. And he hit age 20, he got stronger. He had a little bit of that physical blossom that happens for uh, for young men when you go from Mm -hmm. a teenager to your 20s. And he just exploded this year. Now that he had the physicality to kind of match up with the baseball instincts, I mean, he was a terror. He won MVP of the Texas League, a Double A league, at age 20. He was one of only 10 minor leaguers to go 20/20. Uh, he really kind of tapped into who he is as a hitter, finding both power and average. He always had, you know, speed, the ability to play all three outfield positions. Again,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, good athlete, good makeup, understood the game just kind of caught up physically, and, and we saw the results. It was really kind of everything coming together at the right time. Finished the year in AAA, and, and he's right on the cusp of the majors.
1: Yeah, I was about to ask, what do you kind of see of his, his future? How how long do you think uh, Cardinals fans are going to have to wait before they see him on their major league club? What do you see his role being in 2020?
2: Some of that's going to depend on what else the Cardinals do here in free agency. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is a free agent right now. He is currently unsigned. You know, whether the Cardinals bring him back will have an effect here, but – Dylan Carlson will make his major league debut as long as he's healthy at some point in 2020. I don't think it'll be opening day. He was up at AAA just for a very little bit at the end of last year. Uh, you can always grow from that level. Seeing former major league pitchers, guys who've been there, how they're going to sequence you.
1: Gotcha. And yeah,
2: I do think May-ish is probably reasonable. Again, injuries will have an effect. Who else you know comes in and gets signed, but But he'll be playing in St. Louis in 2020. And I think Cardinals fans are going to really, really like him.
1: Awesome. All right, number two prospect is someone I'm a little bit more familiar with. That's uh, Nolan Gorman. He was the number 19 overall pick, so Cardinals first rounder in the 2018 draft. Really good high school class that year. Gorman had some of the biggest power in that class, high school or college. And then had a phenomenal start to his pro debut. He hit a lot more than I guess amateur scouts would have expected him to hit. There were some swing and miss concerns pre-draft, but he really just was phenomenal during his debut. He's now the number two in the Cardinals system. How has uh, Gorman developed over his first year and a half in pro ball, Kyle?
2: You know, it's interesting. So he got off to a tremendous start. He hit 24 home runs in his first 85 career games. That's uh, a little bit after he signed in 2018 and really through April of this year. I mean, he looked like he was on a path to be one of the top 50 prospects in baseball. We wrote about uh, high school first rounders who had hit like he had in the track record. And it was some pretty amazing names. He was in the company of he really, really cooled off after April. Uh, he hit only eight home runs in the final 104 games of the season. Uh, one of the big things with Bill Gorman is he's just tremendously strong. Just this mm-hmm. natural power that he doesn't have to swing hard to get to it. He can almost take a a contact type of swing, and the ball's going to go 400 feet. What happened was he started kind of getting too pull-oriented and uphill in his swing path, almost trying to be a launch angle guy, trying to crush everything when he doesn't have to be. He can just kind of be a natural hitter, and the ball's going to fly. So this happens, right? Young hitters finding their approach, going through the process. Uh, There's still a lot of confidence that, hey, it's in there. He's going to hit for a decent average. He's going to hit for a lot of power. This is just part of the process, and he'll figure it out. So even though Mm -hmm. the numbers were not great – uh, we saw the power really tail off. Just talking to evaluators, both inside and outside the system, I would say I was surprised how much optimism there still was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was interesting to me because normally when guys fall off like he did, people start picking holes. They find out they find what's wrong. They start to question mm-hmm. whether it's real or not. With Nolan Gorman, it was still pretty consensus. Hey, he's going to be a really good player. This is just part of the growth and development process. Once he figures out... Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be this pole-oriented uphill swing path guy to hit home runs. He'll be fine.
1: Yep. He was a fairly young guy coming out of the draft as well, so I imagine you can be a little bit patient with him. What about defensively? Has anything changed in his defensive profile? I know he's definitely a bat-first guy. You're excited about Nolan Gorman because of that left-handed power potential that he brings. Uh, But he is a third baseman. Do you think he's going to stick there? Will he have to move over to first? What does he need to do to kind of improve at that spot?
2: Yeah, there's actually a pretty strong consensus he can stay at third base. Uh, after he was drafted, it seemed a little bit split, uh, just because you know, he's a bigger guy, he's a little bit stiff. But you know, everyone saw he's making every play he should. He's got quick exchange, got above average arm. You know, some of that first step quickness needs to improve, but again, that's mm-hmm. that's reps, that's that's time, that's experience. Um, in terms of just his ability, you know, you see everything there to, to remain a third baseman. And uh, you know, when scouts talked about you know what they thought he could be. Again, both inside and outside the organization, I don't want to say again. I was surprised, but it was pretty noticeable how they all said, "Yeah, no, he's totally fine at third. He'll be fine over there." And mm-hmm. you know, if everything comes together, you've got a power-hitting third baseman who's you know a potential all-star. Uh, Kyle Seeger is actually a fairly a fairly, uh, a fairly uh, I'd say, common comparison. I got that a couple mm-hmm. of times, so. And look, Kyle Seager has probably you know hit home runs, played a good third base, with an all you know made an all-star game or two. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good player, and, and someone again, I think the Cardinals would be very happy to have as their long-term third baseman if Nolan Gorman could reach those heights.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So we got one and two down. It sounds like the three to six range here on this list is these next four players uh, were a little bit more muddled than the one two. It sounds like the one two is pretty obvious, but when you get into the Genesis Cabrera. Ryan Helsley, Ivan Herrera, and then their latest first-round pick, Zach Thompson, uh, maybe you could have gone a number of different ways. Is that the case, Kyle, just from uh, me kind of looking in from the outside and, and putting this together?
2: Absolutely. The, the top two prospects were really the consensus top two in the order they're in. Three through six, if you talk to five different guys, you're going to get five different answers on how you should stack them up. Mm-hmm. I gave points to Cabrera and Helsley. Look, they got to the major leagues and they showed their stuff plays there. Both these guys, mm-hmm made it not only onto the NLDS roster, the NLCS roster as well. But that's real stuff for two guys who were rookies to be thrown into the bullpen in the National League Championship Series. And the Cardinals have a long history of taking really good pitching prospects, starting without the bullpen, transitioning them to the rotation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to like with these two arms. Uh, They're both able to get up to 100, 100 plus. They both have a nasty secondary at their disposal. Cabrera with his slider, healthy with his cutter both of them broke in as relievers. A lot of people see them as relievers. The Cardinals have told me they intend to bring both to spring training as starters, you know, just see how it goes, see if they can win a spot. Uh, But anytime you have two young arms that are this electric, that are major league ready, that have shown their stuff plays in the majors, and they have a nasty secondary at their disposal... You know, as much as Zach Thompson and Ivan Herrera have promise and are very, very good prospects, and there is an argument for them at Mm -hmm. 3-4, what Cabrera and Helsley have and what they've accomplished, you kind of have to give them the edge, at least from my vantage point.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, and then you have uh, Herrera 5 and and Thompson 6. How did you go about sorting those two in that order?
2: That was really, really tough. (laughs) Ultimately, you know, Ivan Herrera is a teenage catcher who Mm -hmm. hit 335 the DSL. Jumped to full season ball, got to high class A this year. Uh, He he had a 286, an 805 OPS, Midwest League. And not just keep regurgitating stats at you. The point is this kid can really, really hit. Mm -hmm. Anytime you have a young catcher who can really, really hit, you're going to get excited about that. Uh, He's also a pretty good defender. Not a great defender, but a good Mm -hmm. one. So, you know, you look around, you say, let's see, teenage catcher, high A, Hit for average, gets on base, shows hits of power he could grow into. You know, solid defensively, just needs some polish. Like, that's a pretty good prospect. A lot of teams would like to have. He's never failed. He's been pushed aggressively. Mm-hmm. Uh, the makeup is solid. There's a lot to like with him. Now we have seen a lot of young catchers hit well through about the low A level, mm-hmm. but they hit high A, Double A, and they really fall off. So there's still some stuff to be seen here. But everything Ivan Herrera has shown us to this point is certainly promising.
1: Yeah, so I guess 2020 would be a, a fairly big year for him. What are you kind of looking forward uh, to him doing to kind of continue cementing himself as, as one of the top prospects in this system and, and maybe if he continues improving in the game?
2: I mean, the main thing is show he could go out and hit a high-class A competition, especially at a place like Palm Beach where, you know, that's one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in the country. Mm-hmm. If, he could, if he could go out there as essentially at age 20, a 20-year-old, uh and hit there while also just continuing to make the natural strides as as a defender that come with age and time you know blocking and receiving he shows you the ability it's a little inconsistent right now mm-hmm. has the arm strength uh sometimes his throws played out the slow release I, I mean there's always little things to grow and work on uh still throughout 31 percent of base Steelers last year so as long as he just makes the natural strides defensively that he should kind of continues to hit and shows that his hitting ability translates to palm beach mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at a potential top 100 prospect if he can do those things
1: yeah awesome all right then moving into number six we got zach thompson he's the left-handed pitcher drafted out of kentucky this past year in the draft he was a guy who was uh he really had pedigree going back to his high school days he was selected by the rays uh out of high school in the 11th round uh but bet on himself went to college and that paid off handsomely he's a guy who I would say uh, my thoughts on him pre-draft some of the best stuff in a very down pitching class I think you could argue that he had the best overall package of stuff control size projection but the injury concerns are kind of what let him slide to the middle of the first round how has his profile changed since he's uh, kind of been in the Cardinal system what have you heard about him Kyle?
2: Well, he hasn't been there very long. Uh, He only pitched 13 games last year, 15 the third innings. Uh, So the Cardinals, you know, it's still mostly what they saw uh, out of the draft and what they liked. Uh, But there were some interesting developments. You know, one of the biggest things was uh, he got up to 97 miles an hour uh, in really high class A Palm Beach. Uh, You know, Slider was considered better than his curveball at college. When he got to pro ball, the curveball was actually better. So, you know, now you're seeing, okay, you know, now there's two breaking balls he can work with. He's showing you that he can get up to the upper 90s, uh, you know, sat comfortably 91, 94 when he started. So I think it's more just showing, okay, the guy we saw in college is who we're getting in pro ball and potentially even a little bit better, mm-hmm. uh, you know the confident, aggressive demeanor that, that you want to see from, you know, an experienced college guy. I mean, he pitched for Team USA uh, collegiate national team. He broke James Paxton's uh, school record for strikeouts uh, by a left-hander at Kentucky. Golden Spikes were semifinalist. semi-finalist. I mean, the pedigree is all there, you know, the, the, the poise, uh, the confidence that you expect to see was there. So mm-hmm. I think it was more just him showing like, okay, yeah, everything that they thought they were going to get, they got, um, You mentioned his health is still something that has to to come. Uh, His controlled average, command and consistency kind of waver a little bit. That's something that is going to be key to watch in his first full year, along Mm -hmm. with his health. So, you know, you can never replicate, okay, go out and throw 100, 120, 130 professional innings. uh, But he kind of solidified everything the Cardinals thought was there when they drafted him. Mm -hmm. is in fact there, and, and they do think he has a chance to move. Pretty quickly, whether that leads he gets up to to triple his first full year, or maybe for the majors are in a relief role, we'll see. But mm-hmm. he's got stuff, and th- there's a lot to like.
1: Yeah, I really like this pick for for the Cardinals. I felt like he's a guy who, if he does stay healthy, I mean, this could end up being a really good, really good pick and a steal uh, where he was selected. I mean, he was a guy who was potentially could have snuck into the top ten just based on talent alone. So we'll see what happens. Uh, kind of after this top six. Um, how how does the 7 to 10 stack up? Is it a fairly big drop-off? Are we still talking about players in the same kind of tier as the middle of the system? How do we how do we evaluate the Cardinals back of the top 10, starting with Andrew Knitzer?
2: Yeah, so I mentioned you know, numbers 1 and 2, Nolan Gorman and uh, Dylan Carlson, or I should say Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman. Uh, clear top two, those are top 100 prospects. Um, 3 to 6 is a clear second tier. None of those guys are top 100 prospects, but... Um, You know, they're all, you know, in a place where they can either impact the major league team next year or have Mm -hmm. potential to be top 100 guys. When you talk about Herrera, Thompson, seven to 10 is more of a clear third tier Uh, guys who, you know, are either going to be good big leaders uh, in kind of a complimentary role Mm -hmm. or guys who do enough to kind of keep you interested. Uh, You know, Andrew Kinzer, Lane Thomas, Randy Rosarena, three of the four that are seven through 10. Mm-hmm. All you know, all got to the major leagues. All have roles with the team long term. It's just probably more in a reserve role. Kinzer is kind of the part yeah. part time, you know, catcher. Uh, Thomas as a, as a fourth outfielder. Randy Rosarad as a fourth or fifth outfielder. Uh, good players who can help you and, and you do need, uh, but not standouts. And then you know you have El Harris Montero, who was a top 100 prospect last year, uh, had a bunch of hand uh, and wrist injuries this year. Just had a, a really, really rough year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is still hope for him. His, his, <clears throat> his His risk has just become a little more extreme. Uh, so you're not quite sure what you're getting. So, again, I would say one through six, you're getting guys you feel like have a chance to play. Mm-hmm. So semi-significant roles in the major leagues. Seven to ten, it's more complementary roles in the major leagues or high-risk guys.
1: Yeah. So I guess Montero probably has the highest upside of this back into the top ten. Is that safe to say?
2: Uh, yeah, but, but again, you're talking to the guy who tries not to deal so much in upside. I think the realistic <laughs> aspect of, of whether guy yeah. will get there is, is a huge part of this. Uh, in that regard, you know, Kinzer and Thomas are ranked highest for a reason. Uh, Kinzer can hit. You know, the defense draws very mixed reviews. Uh, you know, you, the hope is it becomes average. Like That's best case scenario. Uh, it's, it's presently a tick below. You know, again, he's 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 fine back there. He's not a butcher, but uh, for the Cardinals at the standards they have, especially after a decade plus of Yadier Molina, uh, it's not quite the defensive level they want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh then, you know, Lane Thomas, there's injuries that have just kind of hampered his entire career. The one year he stayed healthy, he showed he actually has a chance to be more than maybe a fourth outfielder, but most think that's what he's going to be long-term. He, he did make some really good contact, a lot of hard-hit balls uh, when he made his Major League debut last year. So, you know, two players who are good, it's always possible they exceed expectations, but mm. for the most part, they're seen as kind of, hey, bigly ready, part-timers who will help. They'll have some good moments. Um, not pure bench guys, you know, get a couple starts a week, come off the bench other days. Uh, I think those are the two that, you know Cardinals fans will be most familiar with and get to know and you know if Montero clicks and and shoots back up awesome but at this point you know Kinzer and Thomas are are ahead of him for a reason.
1: Mm -hmm. Gotcha all right now that we've kind of talked about the top 10 are there any guys who who maybe just missed the list or there's also another interesting Korean signee the Cardinals actually signed in December out of Korea who we might want to touch on here Um, any guys that come to mind I guess for you I'll let you just take it.
2: Yeah, so at the time we put the list together, the only guy who was really in consideration for the top ten beyond this group was Johan Oviedo, uh, right-hander from Cuba. Who he's huge. Uh, he's listed six eight, six two ten. He's he's probably bigger than that. Um, always showed you some some real stuff, flashes of feel and command. Uh, typically, always a, a slow starter who gets better in the second half. Mm-hmm. Did it again last year. Got up to double A. All the stuff ticked up. It's up to ninety-eight. You saw the secondaries take steps forward, Uh, just kind of repeating the delivery and and getting his command completely. You know, kind of harnessing it completely is is the next big step for him. But he's trending in the right direction. There are a couple people in the Cardinal system who think this guy has a chance to really explode next year. I'll probably go back to Double A, see time at Triple A at Memphis, which we know the challenges facing pitchers at Triple A right now, but. Uh, there's a lot to like there. If you wanted to make a, a pure upside play, mm-hmm. you could argue him probably as high as number seven or eight. But, uh, you know, there's also a lot, a lot more risk there just given, you know, the size, the command, that the inconsistency he's shown at various mm-hmm. points of the season. Uh, but if it clicks, it could click pretty big.
1: Yep. And then I also wanted to ask you about Kwang Hyun Kim, who is the Korean signee, uh, I think December 17th is when that was announced. Um, obviously, that's past our, our deadline for the handbook. Where do you think he would fit in this Cardinal system after kind of seeing the signing and knowing about him as a pitcher?
2: Very Yeah, so, so Kim, you know, he's 31 years old, uh, very, very decorated lefty, won uh, a lot of gold medal with South Korea back in 2008, has been a big part of their World Baseball Classic teams. Uh, he's really been one of the best pitchers in South Korea the last few years, I uh, just pitched for their team at premier 12 that clinched a living birth and, and really showed some good stuff there. Most evaluators see him as, you know, he's got four or five pitches. They're all average. Nothing is plus, but he's a lefty who can mix and match, beat you a couple of different ways. Uh, you will hear some back end starter projections. A lot of others think he might be more of kind of a, a swing man, spot starter setup guy who can, you know, bridge a couple of innings for you. Um, he would definitely have been in the Cardinals' top ten had he signed before a transaction deadline.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it, it's tough because you, it depends on who you talk to, what role he's going to play. If you are really, really confident that he's a polished, major league ready back end starter who's ready to plug in right now, you could argue him as high as number three.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, if you think he's more that spot starter, you know, reliever who, who's valuable but you know it's not overwhelming. I think you probably shove him in at like number eight or nine. So I, I, I think I probably just the feedback we've gotten might've been more of that number eight or nine range, more of a, a complimentary mm-hmm. guy as opposed to a 32 start through a rotation type of guy. Yeah. Another way, this was this was a really good signing at a very low cost and, and he's a, he's a, an experienced lefty with enough stuff and experience to, to help the Cardinals in 2020 and beyond you know, not just win another central title, but, you know, potentially make it back to the NLCS and and advance to the World Series. A lot of times, you know, when we do prospect rankings, we kind of poo-poo these complimentary guys say, oh, you know, he's he's not a regular. Well, go watch Major League Baseball. And a lot of times those complimentary guys are what makes the difference. Having that good 7th, 8th inning bridge guy, having that, you know, that outfield depth, having that backup catcher that isn't an offensive sinkhole. A lot of times those are the little things that make a difference and the Cardinals have a nice mix of both potential stars at the top and potential complementary difference makers at the bottom of their top 10.
1: Nice. Well, Kyle, thank you for running it down for us. If there's any other comments uh, or players you want to bring up in the system that are just interesting to you, feel free, but uh, otherwise appreciate you breaking everything down for us. Yeah.
2: I mean that that's really kind of it, which is kind of goes back to what I talked about. It's a pretty good top of the system. It does fall off pretty hard at the back, um, but this is the Cardinals. You know they're going to get the most out of somebody, and, and, and the guys they have, you feel pretty good about them reaching their ceilings. Uh, you know I talk a lot about the Dodgers having the best player development apparatus in baseball. Uh, to me, the Cardinals are number two. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a, a great organization that consistently churned that talent, they do great work with college draftees in particular. Uh, we see it every year: a college draftee that isn't considered to be all that great becomes a, an everyday regular. As Paul DeJong and Tommy Edmond are the most recent examples of that. Um, you bet on the Cardinals, you know, doing the most to get the best uh, out of all their players, and that's why they're in a good position to, to win. You know, not just last year, but into 2020 and into 2021 and beyond mm-hmm. as well.
1: Well, awesome. Thank you, Kyle. Um, and thank you guys for listening to the latest episode of the Baseball America podcast. Kyle will continue plugging these out. I'm sure I might pop in here and there as well as we continue to roll those out. But uh, if you're looking for something to read, we've got a lot of stuff on the website. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the magazine, you might want to check that out as well. Also, not too late to get your prospect handbooks. Uh, well, Those are going to print, I think, around February at some point. So still plenty of time if you haven't already ordered those. We've got college preview content on the way, and we also have some new updated draft rankings on the way as well if you want to get a head start on that. So it's always a great time to be a Baseball America subscriber, reader, listener, and we really appreciate you guys. Uh, For Kyle, I'm Carlos Colazzo. Thanks for listening, everyone.